How do you do? Some people are drawn to any kind of conflict. The man in this story certainly was. From grade school on, he got into trouble for fighting. And as a young man, he joined the Marines, seeking combat. All that time, he was already engaged in an unseen war that he still fights, because his heart and mind and life were unshackled. Lieutenant, we'd like to request a transfer, sir. To what? An outfit that's seeing more action. All three of you? Yes, sir. More action? What's up with you guys? Well, sir, we came over here to fight, we've trained to fight, and we want to fight the bad guy. What are you smoking? Nothing, sir. We're serious. You're getting plenty of action right here. This is not a war movie. This is the real deal. And my job is to get you home in one piece to your family and friends, not to cater to your every whim. I'll give you a few days to reconsider your lame brain request. Proclaiming the way, the truth, and the life, this is Unshackled. True life stories dramatized and produced in Chicago by Pacific Garden Mission. Forsaken. That's how many homeless people feel living on the streets. Coming to Pacific Garden Mission is like coming home again, feeling welcomed and loved. There, they receive plenty of food, showers, and fresh clothing. And they sleep between sheets instead of between bridge piers. Thanks to friends who care enough to send financial gifts, the old lighthouse has been a refuge to millions of people since 1877, beaming out the message of the good news, changing lives. And through this program, that same good news reaches millions more around the world. Now for broadcast around the earth, here is episode number 3,807 in the series Unshackled, the program that makes you face yourself and think. I bet you're glad you didn't go through with that transfer to another unit. Yes, sir. I just wish my two buddies hadn't gone. I tried to tell them, but they were bullheaded. Not anymore. No, not anymore. Thanks for going with me, Barons. Has to be a gut-wrenching trip. I'd rather do anything else but this, Lieutenant. Has to be done, though. You knew them better than anyone else in the unit, so you can identify their bodies. The man in our story was just 19 years old and serving in Vietnam when this dramatic event brought him up short. This is the story of how he came to that time and where he went from there. It's the true testimony of Bill Barron's, right now on Unshackled. I blame the schools I attended. Too much discipline, not enough love. My grades suffered and I got into trouble for breaking the rules and fighting. After sixth grade, my parents let me choose and I chose a public school near our home. My parents took us to a mainline church, but I never heard the gospel. All the teachings led me to believe that good works got you into heaven and my conduct certainly wouldn't pass. But by my last year in high school, I knew my grades weren't good enough for college. But one day my friend Ed and I saw someone that impressed us. Oh, man. Look at that uniform. Is that guy sharp or what? I think he's a Marine. In dress blues. Man, I'd love to be a Marine. If I was going to join the military, I'd join the Marines. Let's go down to the recruiting station in town, find out what it takes. You sure you want to do this? I can't go to college anyway, not with my grades. Sure would be going to work at a factory. After graduation, we enlisted under the buddy system. 
and they shipped us off to Paris Island in July 1965. It was the roughest 11 weeks of my life as the drill instructors molded us into Marines. After basic came advanced infantry training. Ed and I were both stationed at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. He was a communication man while I was in artillery. In early 1966, we went home on leave to Pennsylvania. Let's go on a double date. I know just the girl for you. A blind date? No thanks. Come on, Bill. You'll like her. She's a good friend of my girl. Blind dates never work. This one will. Come on. Saturday night. What's her name? Marlene. But everybody calls her Marley. She's still in school? Yeah. Same one we went to. What grade? Tenth. <laughs> Talk about robbing the cradle. Forget it. Ah, oh, come on, Bill. Don't be so stubborn. We'll have a lot of fun. All right. Just this once. Although she lived only five minutes from me, I didn't know her. When I arrived at her house, she was late coming down. Later, I found out why. Sorry I was late. I was explaining to my mother about tonight. What about tonight? I wasn't going to tell her I was going out with you, but at the last minute my conscience bothered me. Why your conscience? I knew you in high school because you ran track and did boxing. But she didn't know you were a Marine now. I knew she might not approve. Marines have a good reputation with some people. Yes, of course. But mothers worry. With good reason from what I've seen. So, is everything all right? She was pretty upset at first, but she trusts me. With good reason. By the end of the evening, I knew she was special. Maybe she was the one for me. We stayed in touch by mail after I went back to Camp Lejeune. By then, we all knew about Vietnam, and I kept putting in requests to go there. In the fall, we had war games at Fort Bragg, and I was in the tent sleeping one night when my first sergeant woke me up at 2 a.m. Barons, you in there? Uh, 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 yes, sir. Get out here. Yes, sir. Get your trash packed up. You gotta be at Camp Lejeune at 0500. Can I ask why, sir? You just got your wish. Orders to Vietnam. Excitement mixed with a wave of fear washed over me. I took a standard 30-day leave and went home to Pennsylvania, where Marley and I saw each other every day and developed a close friendship. You are an outdoorsman, aren't you, Bill? Always have been. Dad's a game warden besides his job in the Navy, so I grew up with a love for hunting, fishing, and camping. I like camping. In high school, I earned a lot of spare money trapping. You and the Marine Corps were made for each other. <laughs> I never ran from a fight, that's for sure. My mother's from Belgium. She and Dad met and got married when he was stationed there at the end of the war. I thought he was in the Navy. Well, he works for the Navy now, but he was an Army medic then. Anyway, when I was 10, Mom took me and my three sisters over there to meet her family. We were going to stay a while, so I went to school. Got kicked out the first day. For fighting? <laughs> you guessed it. Four or five boys wanted to take on the American. I whipped them all. Maybe that prepared you for the Marines. <laughs> I suppose. So, how soon do you leave? First I go to Camp Pendleton for guerrilla warfare school, so probably not for several months. Give me your address, and I'll write to you while you're there, Bill. I'm counting on it, Marley. After training at Camp Pendleton, I went to Okinawa for orientation and from there to Vietnam, where I was assigned to the 3rd Marine Amphibious Force, stationed as far north as you could get. That first night in country, 
I lay on my cot all night, unable to sleep, listening to the distant thud of artillery. The reality of life and death filled my mind that night, and I understood for the first time that I would be facing death and hell. There were times in Vietnam when I lay behind sandbags, praying and asking God to spare me because I knew I deserved hell if I died. Yet, when my two buddies left to get more action, I stayed and had to identify their bodies when their outfit was overrun. I'll never forget the anguish I felt as I identified their mangled bodies. I proposed to Marley by letter, but she quit writing, so I assumed there was someone else. Then came January and the Tet Offensive of 1968. We held the perimeter of our compound 14 days, unable to write to family who heard on the news about hundreds of Marine casualties. Just as the Tet Offensive ended, so did my tour in Vietnam, and we were flown to Da Nang, where we jumped aboard a commercial jet and cheered on takeoff. When we got to Pittsburgh, I called my family and they met me at the Harrisburg airport and took me home. Meanwhile, Marley, worried about my safety, decided to call my parents thinking they wouldn't recognize her voice. Mom did and handed the phone to me. Do you know if Bill is all right? I'm right here at home, Marley. Bill, when did you get home? Today. I was worried. The news from Vietnam has been so bad. I was in the thick of it for 17 days. They said thousands of guys were killed. Even more on their side. We were tied down and couldn't write. I'm glad you're safe. How come you stopped writing? Because you were getting serious. And I want to finish high school and go to college. I won't stand in your way, Marley. I love you. I love you too, Bill. I'm so glad you're home safe. You're not going back, are you? Not to Vietnam. But I still have two years of my tour to finish. I've been selected for drill instructor school at Paris Island. Is that good? I'm on the fast track, but I have some leave. When can I see you? Although we were very young, five or six of us went to DI school based on our experience in Vietnam. I graduated third in my class. But there was a downside to being a drill instructor, every day teaching young men the art of killing. You get desensitized as a human being. I professed a religious identity, but I was as far from God as a man could get. Then I received orders to go back to Vietnam. We'll hear more about that shortly, but first I want to share a bit about how our supporting ministry has an impact all over the world. Unshackled is spreading the good news through powerful stories about real people. Our success is a result of God's blessing and the involvement of supporters like you. When you contribute to Unshackled, it has a direct impact. Your support allows us to hire quality writers, talented actors, a skilled production team, and a devoted staff. Through your support, we are able to share Unshackled worldwide. So, in order to continue the work of spreading the gospel and allowing us to offer this program for free, won't you consider making a donation to Unshackled? It's really quite easy. All you need to do is click on the live link, if there is one where you're listening, or visit our podcast website at unshackledpodcast.org and then click the donate button. 
Or you can always write a check to Unshackled and mail it to 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. We thank you for your partnership in our ministry. And now, back to our show. What are you going to do, Bill? My tour is up, so I'm getting out of the Marine Corps. Then what? I want to go to college. I thought your grades weren't good enough. I had a couple of my commanding officers write letters of recommendation, and I've been accepted at Shippensburg University. That isn't far from where I'm going to college. (laughs) I already checked. You'll be two hours north of me, so I can drive up to see you on weekends. I majored in business, and Marley, who had graduated from high school with honors, majored in education. Shortly after that, we were engaged to be married. During one of my visits, she seemed nervous and made a surprising announcement. Bill, I... I can't marry you. What? All right, who's the other guy? It's not... I'll take care of him. There's nobody else. But Bill, I got saved last week, and I can't marry you because you're not saved. I think I know what that means, but you tell me. I gave my life to Jesus Christ, and I must obey what he says in the Bible. That's why I can't marry you. The Bible says that I can't be yoked with an unbeliever, someone who hasn't given his life to Christ. I faked an interest in her new belief and went back the next weekend to listen and smile as she spoke, thinking this would get our relationship back to normal but I wasn't really listening. While she talked about getting saved, I thought about what I'd really rather be doing. After three weeks, she came down to visit, and I wanted her to think she was getting somewhere. Do you understand now why it's important for a believer to marry another believer? Tell you what, Marley. I'll go to church with you. Pick out anyone you want, any denomination, and I'll go with you. One time. Really? Let me look in the phone book. We'll go to the same denomination as the one where I was saved. There was an old lady who told me afterward that I needed to marry someone who was a Christian. Here's one. We'll go there. I would rather have charged a machine gun nest than go to that church. But we went. Since I had been raised in a different faith, I made her promise to tell me what to do and held her arm as we entered. I wanted to sit in the back, but She marched to the front, and I followed, arguing all the way. Finally, she bolted into a pew near the front. Turned out that church was having problems, and the pastor was getting anonymous letters that he read in church and then angrily stomped out. I thought it was exciting, but Marley didn't. (laughs) What an interesting service. I mean, after he read that letter and then yelled, Mr. Anonymous, come up here and let's have it out. I thought sure we were going to have a good old-fashioned Marine Corps rumble, but nobody moved. Maybe Mr. Anonymous wasn't there. Oh, Bill, I can't believe it. You're never going to get saved now. (laughs) I'm sorry you were disappointed, honey. I can't marry you, Bill. The engagement is off. The following Sunday, I thought this could be the day. Mr. Anonymous might stand up, and I couldn't miss a good fight. Back I went to that church. Sure enough, same thing all over again. A normal person would never have gone back, but God knew that's what I liked, a good fight. I went for the wrong reason. But even so, I 
heard a young preacher just out of Bible college. He taught of God's great love for man, and he kept saying, if you're not saved, you're going to hell. It was hard to hear, but I knew he was right. On the third Sunday, the regular pastor quit, and the new assistant pastor that arrived that day was voted in as interim pastor. Folks, folks, we need to get this mess straightened out. Uh, we'll have a deacon's meeting here tomorrow night. I didn't know what a deacon was, but I'd heard about Deacon Jones, a football player who liked to fight. I noticed that everyone carried a Bible in that church, so I dug the big family Bible out of the attic, dusted it off, and went to that meeting. When I walked in the side door with that huge Bible, all the deacons were sitting in the front row looking at me in shock. But they didn't tell me to leave, so I sat further back. The preacher came in, moved the podium, and then noticed me. I saw him whisper to a deacon. What's he doing back there? We don't know. He's been coming the past several weeks, but I doubt that he's saved. Uh, excuse me, sir. Uh, would you come with me down to the basement? I thought we were going to have it out, and I never ran from a fight, so I followed him. But when we got there, he opened up his Bible. Do you know that you're a sinner? Nobody has to tell me that. Man, I know I'm a sinner. Do you understand that when you sin, you come short of the glory of God? Romans chapter 3, verse 10 says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Verse 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I've never actually read the Bible. Well, the Bible says only perfect people can get into heaven, and there is nobody that's perfect. I'll go along with that. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Heaven is a gift, Bill. Do you have a job? Yes, I do. When you get paid, what is that? A wage that I get for working. Do you understand that you get a wage for your sin, and that wage is death? Everybody dies once, but this is not talking about that. It's talking about spiritual death. Your wage for sin is spiritual death, to be spent in hell for all of eternity. But the gift of God, what is that, Bill? The gift of God is free. It's eternal life. You gotta go through Jesus Christ. You got it! Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 say, For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Even the faith to believe is a gift from God. All these years, I thought it was possible to work your way into heaven. Nope. Now, hear this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What do I do, preacher? Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 spell it out. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Tell God you want to be saved. For the first time in my life, that night I prayed a prayer that wasn't memorized, and I was scared. 
The pastor led me to pray words of repentance and confession of my sins to God. Then I asked Jesus to save me, and he did. When I raised my head up, I knew I was saved. As I was walking out of the church, one of the deacons stopped me. I heard you got saved tonight. Yeah. Man, I'm happy for you. Let me write down some verses for you to review when you get home. It's called The Roman's Road. Great. Think you can find these verses? <laughs> no, sir. I never opened a Bible before. <laughs> Sit back down. I'll show you where you can find it in your Bible. After I got home that night, I was too excited to sleep. So I called Marley. Hello? Marley, guess what happened? What? I got saved. <gasps> you mean it? I wouldn't lie to you. Tell me how it happened. I kept going back to that church you took me to because I was hoping they were going to have a big fight. The pastor left Sunday, and the new one called for a deacon's meeting. Well, I didn't know what that was, so I went. The new pastor showed me a lot of Bible verses, and I asked God to save me. Me too. I was so excited I told my sister and her husband, and they're going to church with me this Sunday. I'll come down and go with you. Great. I want to round up all my family and friends and get them to come so they can be saved too. This is too good to keep secret. Bill, you know what this means, don't you? That we can get married now? Absolutely. Hallelujah! The next morning I drove over to my sister's house and talked to her and her husband. I told him to sit down, using the verses the deacon had written on a tablet for me. I read the same verses, including the page numbers that led me to salvation. That's what it says. And if you don't get saved, you'll go to hell. Uh, look, I'm coming by on Sunday morning. I'm going to pick you up and take you to that church. And both of you are going to get saved. Understand? All that week I went around to family and friends, telling them they were going to church with us on Sunday. When Marley came down that weekend, she went with me to reconfirm with each one. That Sunday, we took our visitors down the aisle to the front where they filled three rows. After the sermon, the pastor gave an altar call, but no one responded. Somebody announced the last stanza, so I decided to act. I walked to the front row, snapped my fingers and said, First row, move out. Dutifully, they followed the deacon to the basement to once again consider the gospel message. Second row, move out. Let's go, come on. Third row, move out. Every person that came with us that morning, after again hearing the good news of the gospel, professed faith in Jesus Christ. We were thrilled and God was merciful. He knew that I was innocent with a passion for everyone that I knew to be saved. But my dad and my mom and an uncle and aunt refused to go with us. That was a burden on my heart, especially my dad. Where did all this interest in religion come from, Bill? Marley. She wouldn't marry an unsaved man. I had to convert to marry your mother, but I didn't let it consume me. You made a verbal requirement from man, Dad. That's not the way to receive salvation. You must obey God's word in order to be saved. I don't put much stock in religion, son. I'm not talking about religion, Dad. I'm talking about a person, Jesus Christ. He's awesome. I'm glad you found something that makes you happy, but I don't need it, Bill. You're going to miss heaven, Dad. 
I don't want you and mom to spend eternity in hell. How could a righteous God do something like that? Because he gave his son to pay the penalty for our sins. How would you like it if I gave my life to save someone and they turned their back on us? Their choice. Exactly. God lets us choose, but heaven belongs to him, so he makes the rules. And he says heaven is a gift you receive when you receive Christ. You can't work your way there by doing good deeds or by going to a certain church. Well, you make a good case, Bill. So please, you and Mom, come to church with us next Sunday. It's Easter. We're celebrating his resurrection. Mom and Dad and my aunt and uncle and cousins all went with us that Sunday. And all of them walked the aisle and professed faith in Christ. So all my family, except an aunt and uncle, were saved within six months of my salvation. What a savior. Marley and I were married the following August, and we both went off to Bible college where God called me to preach. God gave us four wonderful children, all of them serving the Lord. Praise God for Marley's character and conviction, steadfast in her determination not to marry a man who was not saved. Now she has a husband who was an evangelist. And thanks to that, many others have come to Christ. God is faithful. Listening friend, there are many ways to spend your time, but only one way that leads to eternal life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Invite him into your heart and life and begin that walk of holiness. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There is no special prayer. God looks on the heart. If you need counsel in making this life-changing decision for Christ, we encourage you to call 1-888-NEED-HIM. Or you can get in touch with us here at Pacific Garden Mission, 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. The telephone number in Chicago, 312-492-9410. Our email address is unshackled at pgm.org. Visit our website to learn more about this ministry, unshackled.org. And next time... Why are you burning that bologna? I like it that way. You are so stupid you can't even cook. You good-for-nothing kid. Rejected at home, Sandy Crawler looked for acceptance through alcohol and drugs. Sandy, we missed you. The original party girl. Remember how my uncle got us kegs of beer so we could have parties at his house? That was so much fun. We were crazy! Look out! The woman in our story was just 19 when she made a rash vow in the heat of desperation. God. If you help Brenda be all right, I'll live for you. Learn how she was transformed and found peace. We have to keep our vows to God. Don't drag me into your deal with God. But I'm seeing that everybody needs Jesus. The true testimony of Sandy Crawler. Another dramatization coming soon on Unshackled. This is program number 3807. Heard in the true story of Bill Barron's were Jeff Parker, Jennifer Dimmitt, David Zarbach, Demetrius Troy, and Mark Forrest. 
Original music, Don Badorf. Sound effects, Demetrius Troy. Sound assistant, Jacob Wilcoxon. Audio engineer, David Pierczynski. Script, Kenetha Gabler. Unshackled is produced by Pacific Garden Mission to show through true stories that if your life is empty, it can be filled to overflowing. Please write today or reach out to us on social media. Connecting with you means a great deal to us. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Unshackled PGM. And our address, Pacific Garden Mission, 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. So until next time, unless our Lord returns before then, I'm Timothy Gregory reminding you that the doors to Pacific Garden Mission are open night and day. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.